and check all those things out. But let's get into the Word uh, tonight. And if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We're going to start our uh, series tonight of Stories with Spirit. Uh, sometimes we talk about having spunk and spirit, but we're going to talk about stories in the Bible that where the Holy Spirit plays a key role. And we're going to go just do, our staff is going to rotate every other week uh, throughout these next several uh, weeks or as the Lord leads. And we're just going to go through simple biblical stories and just tell them uh, to one another here and just see how just a simple truth that we can get out of these things. Sometimes we forget uh, not only the simplicity of Scripture, but just these good stories that God has uh, put in with His Word and how the Holy Spirit can be used, uh, sort of how we can be used by the Holy Spirit and how He is uh, actively working in uh, the people of God. And so I'm going to pray tonight, and we're going to talk about Stephen's story uh, and just giving it to God tonight. Father, we love you. I thank you. God, we give you praise, honor. And I just, Lord, help us to just, uh, let me do well by Stephen tonight and just to share his story. And God, may we just interpret, Lord, what the Holy Spirit would want to say. Holy Spirit, speak through us in these next few moments. Open our ears to hear. Open my mouth to speak what you have to say. God, and, and we just want to uh, take in your word and apply it to our lives in a real uh, and radical way. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen. Who's this guy named Stephen? Look with me in Acts chapter 6. And I'm just going to kind of give you a little paraphrase here. Stephen, his name means crown. And he is uh, one of the first deacons in the early church. And he becomes a preacher, and later he becomes the first martyr. And we're going to kind of get his story tonight. This is the only place in Scripture he's really mentioned. Uh, and he's a pretty cool guy. And so in Acts chapter 6, it just kind of lays out where we are, the scene of the, the choosing of the seven. Acts chapter 6, we get the, set, the setting is that revival has just broken out in the book of Acts. Jesus has left the earth and sent His Holy Spirit. We see the great revival of the day of Pentecost has come. And what happens is, is a lot of people uh, from across the world who were Jews began to stay in the city of Jerusalem and because they were celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. Well, Pentecost has just happened and people now are being touched by the Spirit of God. Thousands of people have been saved and baptized in the name of Jesus and they have entered into the church and church houses and, and the moving of the Spirit is this unorganized thing. There's no pastors. There's no church houses. It's just the Spirit of God moving and speaking to individuals and, and they're worshiping and they'd come to the temple because it's the largest place where they could go. They begin to worship God in the temple, and then they would go and find different people from their own countries and begin to go to their houses and begin to have worship and minister to one another. A lot of them were living with visitors. I mean, visitors were in their houses. A lot of people, they didn't have a lot of hotels, so it was customary that led a lot of people in your house during the Feast of Pentecost. That was a Jerusalem thing to do. And so the church is going, and, and the apostles are preaching, and the, the great things are happening. But one of the things that begins to happen is the church begins to take on a social mission as well. They begin to open up a food pantry because back in the day you did not have social security or uh, welfare or anything like this. Uh, and so they begin to give out food to the widows and the poor and those who were uh, there staying in the city. And what happened was, you know, when people get together, no matter how Holy Spirit filled they are, no matter how Jesus centered they are, there's going to be problems when you begin to get people in the room, it just happens. Whether we like two different colors or we shave our beards differently, Brent, or whatever, there's just something that's always going to separate us. And so there arose a problem. 
And the problem was this. Some of the Greeks who were Jewish, now all these are Jewish people, some of those people who spoke Greek and were from distant lands who were uh, Greek in culture came in and they felt like their widows were getting passed over uh, by the Jewish Christians. And so there was a, a division between Greek Christians, Hellenist Christians, that's what that means, Greek, and uh, uh, the normal Hebrew uh, Christians, the Jewish Christians. And so the apostle said, look, guys, the church is getting too big, too fast. We are going to say, hey, this, you choose seven men of good reputation who are full of the Holy Spirit. Look at that uh, in that verse. He says, in, they say in verse three, select brethren, select men from among you, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom who we, who we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer into the ministry of the word. And it's found approval with the whole congregation. Verse 5. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then it lists the other six. Philip, Prochorus, uh, Nicor, Timon, uh, uh, Par- Parmenas, and Nicholas. Uh, and it doesn't say anything special about the rest of them, but it says something about Stephen. We're going to zero in on Stephen. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's the cool thing. The apostles... They nominate, or the the people nominate seven Greek men to represent this problem that the Greeks felt slighted against. So they chose seven men who would represent them well. The apostles, uh, they elected them. The apostles anointed them and said, yep, we approve. And they sent them out. And they began to serve. And they called these men deacons. And the word deacon in the Greek means servant. They labeled them. Their title was servant. I think this is awesome, just before we can get going into Stephen, that when there was a church problem, that it was the, the first thing to do was to find spirit-filled people. That, that if there was an issue, let's find spirit-filled people and full of wisdom to solve it. Let's not find like a, a counselor or a psychologist or a business administrator. No, we need spirit-filled people. And that's from the very beginning how the churches begin to organize itself and how important it is today that every person in the church be spirit-filled. That when there was a problem in the early church, they said the solution is to find spirit-filled people. Now that's important to note because there's not a lot of churches that will elect spirit-filled people or they're not looking for spirit-filled people. But they, are, uh, they said this is who we want. Men, uh, we'd say women today, who are going to lead our church through service who have to be spirit-filled. And this is the qualification. It's not just, hey, we want pastors and prophets. He says, no, just to wait on tables, just to take out the trash in the early church, you had to be spirit-filled. Isn't that kind of crazy? Like from mopping uh, to, to ministry, whatever it is, from our kids' church uh, to the, the pew in front, to the pew in the back, to taking out the trash, to the kitchen, to the mopping, Everything. If you're serving in our church, you've got to be spirit-filled, anointed and moving by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was their qualification. And, and it wasn't above a spirit-filled guy like Stephen, with a lot of things going for him, to serve tables. That comes from the very beginning. Uh, I love that about this story, that it's not above spirit-filled people. We're going to take some things from the very beginning. Is It's not above spirit-filled people to serve and often to lead you do it through service. And that's where Stephen comes in. Okay, so here's this guy named Stephen. He's, he's serving by the Holy Spirit. He's helping in the food pantry. He's waiting on these widows, which actually speaks to this event we're having here. Guys, plug. 
for our single ladies event. Uh, we're going to minister to our widows here in the next month. Spirit-filled men uh, from music ministry to mopping. Hey, we want spirit-filled men. And this guy he, who is this deacon, this servant, he's not seeking a position in the church. He's just seeking to serve her, the church. And this, uh, Stephen, it says he stood out from other believers. He had faith, he had grace, he had spiritual power, and he had wisdom. And I, what I love about this is that Stephen, while God had anointed him from this awesome task, he begins to wait on tables. I can just sense this, that Stephen has more going for him that some would say than just waiting on tables. This guy was full of the Spirit. He actually had gifts of speaking. He was very wise. He was very gifted and as an as a orator and a, as a person. But he was willing to sign up for the food pantry and begin to do this. Yes, you elected me, I'll do that. But while he was ministering, uh, he couldn't help but just preach the gospel. So no doubt, as the the widows are coming in, he's preaching the gospel. I don't know how many hundreds of people they were ministering to, and and they didn't have canned food back then, so they were preparing the food or, or finding cheap food or cooking the food, probably nothing fancy, but they were maybe he was cooking in the kitchen. I don't know if it was... They didn't have, they couldn't have barbecued brisket like we like to have. You know, they had sheep or something, right? And, and he's ministering. So no doubt, though, he's still being used in his gifts. God had anointed this guy with some awesome gifts of the Holy Spirit. And while Peter, or Stephen could have easily thought, you know, I'm a little above this. My gifts are a little higher than just waiting on tables or serving. He still served and began to use his gifts anyway. So much so that it said he began preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look a little down. Verse 8, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. What happened to waiting on tables? What happened to serving? Those are not mutually exclusive. You see, he began to minister not only in serving the church, because he loved the church, loved the people, loved serving others, because he was a spirit-filled man, that's what they liked to do. But he also began ministering and preaching the gospel. And just because we feel like we're just in the sound booth or we're just a door greeter or we're just the janitor of our church doesn't mean you can't preach the gospel. Doesn't mean you can't be used in signs. I used to think a lot, Miss Georgia, about that pastors were the ones who are the ones who heard words from God and pastors should prophesy and pastors should, you know, interpret the tongues if we ever had it or pastors are the ones that lay hands and people can fall out on the spirit or evangelist. That was just for them. But that's not true. Even a person who waits on tables in the early church was able to be used by God. To says, it says they saw great wonders and signs. I kind of was thinking about that today. And I'm like, I don't know. What in the world was he doing? Was he like making fire out of his hand? I don't know. But great wonders and signs, things that were unexplainable that he was doing, like Jesus multiplying the fish. Maybe they ran out of, maybe it was one day at the, at the food bank, they ran out of food and Peter, or sorry, I keep saying Peter, Stephen prayed over it and maybe it was multiplied. We don't know. We don't have a record of what happened or, or maybe uh, they, they ran out of supplies and, and, and he prayed over it and just God miraculously provided it. Uh, those are just different things we don't know. But something was more, there was more to Stephen that met the eye. It's because God had gifted him with the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's anything we need today, like we, like they had it back then, is that there would be a sovereign move of God upon people. And I, and I look, and I, from the very beginning, I understand that Stephen didn't do this himself. It was that the presence of God was sovereignly moving in his life, and he was just willing to allow it. I cannot perform miracles, Miss Evelyn. 
I cannot come up here and say, we're going to have a healing crusade and I'm just going to lay hands and you're going to be healed. Or we're going to have a mighty move of God in this service on a Sunday night. I can't do anything. I'm just a man. I'm just Heath Harris. But a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit can work signs and wonders and miracles. And if I would just position myself to say, God, I'm willing to serve even if I have to wait on tables. God, I'm willing to just bless your church, to love on others. Yes, I'm spirit-filled. Yeah, but God, you can use me in mighty ways. Anybody believe that tonight? doesn't matter what you are, what you got, what your gift set is. If you can preach, teach, if you can play seven instruments, God can use you in a mighty way, just like Stephen. Okay, now we'll get to his story. All right, so there's his... Ex- uh, internal problems with Stephen was elected to handle. Just a guy, they said, hey, we've got some internal problems in our church. We've gotten so big too quick. We need a spirit-filled person to handle it. And Stephen said, okay, I'll wait on tables. I'll help out in this area. But he couldn't bottle it all in. He wasn't just settling for the status quo of waiting on tables. He said, yeah, I'm going to wait on tables for you, but I cannot help what's inside of me. The gift of God is bubbling out. So he ministers to the widows. He begins to do great signs and wonders, even in the food pantry and the food bank. Then he goes out to the street corners somewhere in the marketplace and begins just to preach the gospel. He's just a table waiter, right? He's just a servant. Begins to preach the gospel so much so that it infuriates a group of people called the synagogue of the free men. Some guys, we don't really know who they are, people from North Africa uh, and Cilicia and some different places. Uh, And they begin to argue with him. But it says that Stephen was so full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom that they could not argue with him. They could not handle the words that he was saying. It says in verse 10, mine says, they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the Spirit with which he was speaking. Meaning, they would come up and he would probably speak words of knowledge in their life and say, yeah, but God knows what you did this week. Come on, tell me about my sin. Tell me about how I'm wrong, but God knows what you were thinking. Like Nathaniel uh, in Bible, Jesus says, Hey, I know you, I saw you under that, that fig tree. He began to be used in a spirit of wisdom. He began to refute their arguments, and they would come up with a verse just like Jesus, and he would find the, the, the other verse that would contradict their verse. And he just, the Holy Spirit just began giving him words in the Bible, words of Scripture, truth, just began to reveal to him. It wasn't something he was doing. But yet he had read the Bible as a child, no doubt as a Jew, had memorized it to some degree. But the revelation of Scripture was not coming from him. It was coming from the power of God sovereignly working within. And that's what, again, we need today. We hope to argue against an atheistic and sexually immoral world. We better have the sovereign move of God upon our lives. It says, God, I want the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to begin to handle these rowdy coworkers, or these, my kids are going into rebellion or these situations I'm seeing on Facebook or whatever. God, give me the spirit of wisdom, the spirit that is undeniable that God is moving in what I'm saying. Because a lot of times it can just be me. A lot of times it could just be a good argument that I have or a good thought that I have, but it better be the Spirit of God if we want it to change anything. Amen? And so he's being moved like this. And so these guys, they say, hey, we don't like this dude. He's like like this Jesus fellow. And so they begin to persecute him, and they come up with false accusations and say, hey, he's talking about like what Jesus said about tearing down the temple, and he's uh, throwing out all the Moses stuff and all the things of the law. And so they take him, and they tell the, the, great, uh, the high council, the Sanhedrin, the very same men who had crucified Christ that night and had taken him uh, uh, illegally in the night to Caiaphas' house. Uh, and so that same council, just, this is just a few you know, uh, months later, or we don't really know the exact timeline. It could have been a year. But it's not very long. It's the same council. 
And so they begin to, uh, they take Stephen, they take him by force, and they take him to the council. And, uh, and they, these false witnesses come up just like Jesus again. And Stephen is now the third person who's faced these people. You remember Peter and John had to do it already. Uh, and, and they rebuked him. And so Stephen's there, and it says that uh, the false accusation came. They said, Stephen, is this true, what you're saying? And look at what it said. In verse 15, And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. Now, I don't know if that was just this beautiful smile and pearly white teeth he had, or if he was literally glowing. The, the way the Scripture reads it is as if there was something radiant about him, something glowing like Moses. When Moses came down off the mountain, that there were, he had to put a veil over his face. That there was a, a noticeable difference. And I think for us today, thinking about this, I may not have a halo over my head, but I hope that when I go out in the world today that there is a noticeable difference, that my countenance is changed because the presence of God is, is actually in me, that there is something that I'm not doing myself. It's not my attitude or demeanor or my, uh, the atmosphere around me. It's not just because I smell nice or because I'm a warm, glowing personality, but it's because the Spirit of God is just radiating out from it's just seeping out of our pores. That's Stephen. And even though they saw um, an encounter of God, they still didn't listen. So they began to charge him. And what happens? Stephen begins to preach the gospel. He doesn't even defend himself. Here's what Stephen does. He doesn't even, even entertain what they said. He begins to preach the word from Genesis to Jesus. He begins to uh, tell them of what something they already knew. He takes them about Abraham. And he takes them out in you know, Joseph and he takes them to Moses and he takes them through all of the prophets. And he says, look at all the story of God. Look at how God has been working in this picture. And God has a prophetic promise plan. And he begins to try to tell them that all of this Old Testament stuff was all to get one person here. God has been faithful and faithful and faithful, yet people have been unfaithful and unfaithful. They're being, they have forsaken, they've persecuted the prophets, they've forsaken all the things of God, and they've missed this glorious plan of God's sovereign redemption. They, they, in knowing it, they've had the truth, but yet they, for, they, they don't even understand, they can't see by the Spirit of God. God even gave them the tabernacle to show them His presence would go with them. And then He gave them a temple, but He even told them, He said, I've made the heavens and the earth, you can't put me in a temple. That God's Spirit has always wanted to be inside every believer to make this new temple, this glorious thing. But yet they missed the whole idea. They missed that it was just types and shadows. And so he begins to, to begin to minister. He tells them things like God's plan is, is moving forward. And today's that day where uh, He's really gotten Christ here. And the law was temporary. He tells them things about the blessing of God is not limited just to Israel and its land and its people, but throughout the Scripture you can think God has been blessing uh, the nations through Israel. God told uh, Jonah to go uh, preach the gospel where he didn't want to go. God uh, reached Rahab and, and all of her family. And God has been always interested in the lost. And they missed it. And he said, this is the God. He's a God of spirit. He's a God you can't control by religion. He's a God that is alive and He's in me today. And he says to these people that you've, you've repeatedly been in opposition to what God has want to do because you're so religious and you're so secretly sinful. I think he was ready to die. <laughs> Honestly, think about it. He knows he's 
These are the people that crucified Christ. And so he doesn't even defend himself because he's a spirit-filled man. He walks up, no doubt, in chains. There's 70 people of the highest of high, the richest of rich, and the immoral of immoral. All, most of them had made uh, barters with Rome uh, to allow pagan things into the temple and different things. They, they were corrupt, evil men. He goes up to the front and he begins to tell them the Word of God. He doesn't do anything fancy to it. He says, this is Moses, and this is what Moses did. And these are guys who are supposed to be experts in the law. Here's this simple man, this janitor of the local church, steps up there and begins to say, there was Moses, there was Jacob, and there was Joseph, and there was the prophets. And he says, look, what he, look I, love it, I love it. He's ready to die. He's just totally ready. He, he don't pull any punches. The power of the Holy Spirit comes over him. Look at verse chapter 7, verse 51. Chapter 7, verse 51. So the whole of chapter 7 is all of his, his, uh, his sermon. He, he preached the longest sermon in the book of Acts, and it's one of the most apologetic or uh, most universal defenses for Christianity and the plan of God. This is one of the most powerful sermons uh, in the book of Acts, one of the first and the only sermons we have that are this long in the entire New Testament. It's a very, very important sermon. And he says in verse 51, again, he preaches this whole sermon. He comes up to there and he says, <clears throat> You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. You're doing what your fathers did. And which one of the uh, prophets did, you're not, uh, did your fathers not persecute? They killed and everyone they previously announced that was coming of the righteous one, Jesus Christ. So, uh, betraying, uh, whose, betrayed, uh, sorry, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become... You who received the law as ordained by angels yet didn't even keep it. Boo! Now kill me. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He's just like, I'm here. I just got saved. Yeah, I was the janitor and the, the food bank guy of the local church. But I can't stop preaching the word of God. I am filled with the Holy Spirit and ain't nothing going to keep it inside of me. And he's just preached the bold truth unapologetically to corrupt men who were antagonizing the local church and who God was angry with. They had just, Stephen comes up there a little bit angry. You just killed Jesus, the, the man, the dude that's been prophesied from Moses himself. You killed him. You stiff-necked, blankety-blank kind of people. That's almost what he's saying. Right? I mean, he's just coming he, unfiltered. How long will you resist the very Spirit of God? And it says, look at the next verse. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth. You know what that means? Gnashing their teeth at him. It's like a wolf. Like, just gritting. Just, and they began to jump out of their seats and began to beat him, drug him out of it. And he began to, began to speak things of God. Now, here's the cool thing, Holy Spirit-filled people. We can have the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit to speak the truth, but you're going to know something. When you're persecuted, you're going to know what really is at the heart of that, what really comes out. Are we just speaking the bold truth for our sake because it makes us feel better because we know right and they know wrong and we feel good about being in the right? That's not where Stephen was coming out of. That's not the attitude that the Spirit was really moving. And this is probably the most important part of Stephen because you see these two I see often so many churches preaching hellfire and brimstone, and they enjoy it. And I see so many churches preaching grace, and they don't understand the judgment and the righteousness of God. 
and that there is penalty for sin, right? And that we don't sin in grace, right? Uh, and they, they, they both said, Stephen balances out because he's a Holy Spirit-filled man. He preaches about the truth unapologetically, just condemns him. While they were charging him, he began charging them. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. I want the boldness of the Holy Spirit. In this last day, as we see church attendance in America on the decline, as we see immorality advancing into our culture, I want the bold power of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care if they pay their tithes or not. If the whole church, we have to turn the lights off, shut the AC off, we've got to meet outside in a pole barn, I'm not going to back off preaching in the Word of God whether they like it or not. Amen. That's what we've got to get to. That's the bold power of the Holy Spirit. But on the contrast... They began to jump over their seats, began to beat him and pull him out. And they drug him out. They drug him out. And the whole time he says, what does he say? He begins, something comes out of him. Chapter 7. Look at verse 54. They begin, verse 55. Now, look how Luke, the author, adds this in. He says, but being full of the Holy Spirit. That's the key. Repeatedly, he's been a man Full of the Holy Spirit. It's said it multiple times. That's the key knowledge of why you understand Stephen tonight. Full of the Holy Spirit. He looked up intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. Is that not amazing? Just right there, that verse. Just to be able to look up and it's like the sky just gets... Uh, a window opens up and you just, just, you're here. These guys are just like wolves gritting their teeth and they're running for you about to stone you and you just look up because you did what you're supposed to do. And you just see the glory of God in heaven. Amen. And he looked up and he says, look, what do you say? Uh, Behold, I see the heavens open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. And it says they cried with a loud voice. They covered up their ears. They rushed him. They run to him and they drug him out of the city to stone him. What I love about that is that the Bible often says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Amen. But in that verse it said He was standing. I've heard it said, I wonder, if when Stephen's down here, Jesus is on the throne and He's singing, Oh, He's doing it. He's doing it. That's my boy. And then He's like, Yeah! Go, boy! And He looks up and Jesus is like, Right here, come on. And He, and he just stands up. Jesus is standing up takes a step off the throne as if to reach down and say, that's my boy. That's my boy. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And he sees, and that, that image never leaves him. I think the whole time, I think he's, he's probably doing this. I think that Stephen's being stoned, and he's probably doing this right here. And stones are coming, the rocks, they're just pummeling him. They lay their coats down at a man named Saul's feet. Young boy. They take these rocks, which are common everywhere. They just begin to throw them at him. Sometimes in stoning, they'll throw you off a cliff first and then pile stones on top of you. Probably in this scenario, they were just picking him up. And they'd hit him in the arm. And they'd hit him in the leg. And finally, one would hit him in the temple and finally kill him. Painful, gruesome, gruesome way to die. Painful. And what does he say? Because he's got Jesus on his mind, he's looking up. He says, falling on his knees. I'm sorry, they stood on stoning Stephen. Lord Jesus, he says, receive my spirit. Verse 59. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. What kind of a Holy Spirit-filled person in one minute can get up and say, you are just sons of vipers and you always resist the Holy Spirit and, and how long are you going to go on doing this? And in the same moment, 
when I see the glory of God, Lord, it's okay. I did what I was supposed to do. I love them. I pray for them. God, don't let this be against them. Just like, he, just like Jesus did. Same thing Jesus said. Lord, unto your hands I commit my spirit. And he says, you know, he says the whole time Jesus was being stoned. I'm sorry, taken on the cross. The whole time Jesus was up to the cross, it says that Jesus was saying, God, don't, don't hold this against them. God, forgive them of this. That God is so infused in you that you can have His heart in some of the worst times of your life, even persecution. That you can on one hand boldly speak the truth unapologetically, but also because of God. I don't understand it, church. I don't, I don't understand. And my mind does not understand how in one minute I can be rebuking people. But in the next minute, when those people begin to turn on you and pummel you with rocks and your nose begins to bleed and your teeth begin to fall out and you're just broken bones, you can say, God, don't hold it against them. Take me home. That's only possible because of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Not because we can figure things out or we can try to love people in our own manner. But how can we be like a Stephen? How can we, what is his lesson, his story for us tonight? If I had to title this something, I'd call it bold love. In one sense, he's bold. In the next sense, he's love. And both are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Both are fruits of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, man, you'll receive power to witness. He's just a guy at the food pantry, just a deacon, just a servant. Yet God put something in him and he could not deny the gift of God that was within him. And he didn't settle for that status quo. And he was totally, if we could look at his life and understand, it was not Stephen. It was a sovereign move of God on his life. And we can't make a sovereign move of God happen. As much as we want it, we can't make it happen. But I can surrender myself to his will and say, God, I will serve your kingdom, your interest. And Lord, if you want to move upon me, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to be used. And I I want that bold love. I want to be able to preach the truth in a culture that we see failing, but also be a type of person who could say, God, I love them. I'm speaking the truth to people, but I love them. We've got three words here in sanctuary. Grace, love, truth. And how? here's some thoughts. I want us to find a place of prayer here in a minute. But from Stephen's death, we see something great happen. When a man, young man begins to be used by the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the church began to be persecuted. Saul took the reins, was persecuted. But at the same time, all the believers began to scatter. And actually, because of Stephen's death, they took the gospel uh, at a faster rate and throughout the known world because that persecution had to happen. And God used Stephen's death to fuel the mission of God that people would take that out elsewhere. And we would know later on that Paul would remember that moment, and no doubt it would mark him for the rest of his life, of what he saw a young man. Now, Paul doesn't say that he threw a stone, but he saw what Stephen did. He saw him unapologetically preach the Word of God in the fullness and the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, unrefutable, the wisdom of God, glowing face. And then he said he saw him take his last breath and just bless those he had just uh, challenged to give their lives over to Christ. Uh, only by the power of the Holy Spirit, undeniable. And so I want a sovereign move of God on my life. I don't know about you. I want God to move upon me. I want the, I, the, his, the only, this is all we have about him. And only to say that Stephen, 
was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. When you die today, when you die in this life, in this day, in this age, when people, your next generation, if the Lord tarries, do they say, man, that was a person, that was a man, that was a woman full of the Holy Spirit, of faith, of power and wisdom, and God used them beyond the box that the world would put them in. They, they couldn't help but use the gift of God that He put inside of them. They just exploded with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want us to pray tonight about. Bold love. And uh, I'm going to ask the guys to turn on that CD. And uh, I want us to just do this. I just want us to find a place of prayer. I want to encourage you to just move from where you are. And just, I'd encourage as many as possible to come up here to the front. It's just some, something about important about moving. Uh, get our minds right. You want to turn around at your seat in front of you or just bow bef- you know, where you are. That's totally fine. But let's take some moments. And you and God just begin to get alone and say, God, I, I am, I'm willing for a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit on my life. God, I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And if you need prayer tonight, our leadership team, we're going to be here up at the front just available for prayer. Maybe you're going through something. You just need a full touch of God. Uh, let's just begin to seek God. I'm going to come back and close in prayer in a minute. But would you come? Let's just kind of find a place. If you feel like walking around, you're welcome to walk and pray. If you feel like finding a place quietly in the lobby to pray, let's just kind of uh, let's just get along with God just for a few minutes. And allow the Lord just to speak to your hearts. Amen.